Hello, and welcome to the next episode of If Women Were Meant to Fly, The Sky Would Be Pink. If you won't listen, I'm Enid Oton. In this episode, training commences at the Lagos Flying Club, and I fall out with some private members who know better than I do when it comes to training pilots, even though they have no instructor qualifications. My secondment comes to an end, and I elect to return to Bristow's, even though I am offered a permanent job with Mobile Oil. And I address the peer pressure, which is resulting in stressful situations off-duty. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would get to do what I did. That may sound strange, but in reality, this urge to fly did not take root as far back as I can remember. I liked planes when I was younger and loved going to the airport to see my favourite BOAC VC-10s, even enjoyed the thought of flying on them. But when it came to actually flying on them, I was petrified. Turbulence upset me. The turns upset me and the takeoffs upset me. All the things that later I would love. There's a lesson in there somewhere. So, years later, as I strived to become the best pilot that I could, there were many times when I thought I was not good enough. I struggled through the courses and endured plenty of inane insults from men who couldn't cope with my existence. So, The fact that I was standing at the door of my office at the Lagos Flying Club as the chief flying instructor and that I was a fully qualified commercial pilot with some experience under my belt gave me the warmest glow I could ever imagine. Of course, it could also have been the fact that the generator was not working that morning and I was having a hot flush. Whichever it was, I was waiting for the arrival of my students and looking forward to imparting the knowledge that would hopefully make them the best pilots that they could be. I wasn't under any illusions that any of this would be plain sailing, pardon the pun. But I did hope that they would enjoy the experience, and that one day we would have a continuous crop of young pilots, well-trained and anxious to advance African aviation. I sauntered out to the aircraft parked on the grass to give them all a pre-flight inspection. I wanted to be sure that both our trainers were ready for the day's flying. And, of course, free of our local nesting birds home aircraft vent building project. Oil checked, fuel sampled and tyres kicked, I decided to do a quick inspection of the runway. Being so far out in the bush, you never knew what you would find. Flying in Africa meant you had to be ready for anything, especially incursions onto the runway when you least expected it. More than once, I had experienced what I called the cow incursion, which was when a herd of cows strayed from their grazing fields, usually located next to the runway, and decided the grass was greener over the other side. Now, this would usually happen as you commenced your takeoff run. You could see them in the distance 
But given the noise emanating from the aircraft's engines, this usually had the effect of scaring them back the other way. However, on a number of occasions, the opposite happened, and they just turned and stared at you, at which point you had to abandon the takeoff before there were beef burgers all over the runway. It certainly made for interesting entries in the tech log for the engineers. The same would happen on the runway at the club, only more often than not it was a group of goats or a number of snakes. Now, in fairness, I have only ever once found a snake in the aircraft whilst at the club. There was no doubt about it, as I ended up several miles away, still screaming, Snake! for the next several hours. Along with my scheduled students, I also had the pleasure of welcoming some private pilots who were eager to get flying again. Club rules dictated that they would have to have a full check ride with me first. And, of course, my first encounter was explosive. Here was a man who was used to ordering people around, strode into my office and demanded the keys to the aeroplane, announcing in front of everyone that he was qualified to fly anything. Now, anyone that has been following the podcast from the beginning will know roughly how this was going to go. I'm not a monster, but I'm all fight rather than flight, ironically, with the exception of when I meet uh, spiders and snakes. However, You'll be impressed to hear that contrary to my natural instinct to fight fire with fire, I whispered to him in a measured way that, going forward, I would not be one of the people he spoke to like that. He had two choices. He could behave like a professional and follow the rules, or I would have him escorted off the premises and report his behaviour to the Nigerian Civil Aviation Authority, with the understanding that his private pilot's licence would be suspended. I would not now or in the future be challenged on following the rules. The rules were in place for a very good reason, and until he could produce a professional flight instructor's licence and an employment contract with the Lagos Flying Club, he would be following the rules. It took him a couple of weeks to come around, but he eventually grew used to the idea that everyone was equal here, and rules were rules, especially where flying was concerned. My secondment was coming to an end, and as much as I had enjoyed it, I felt that I needed to get back to Bristow's, where I was very close to promotion to senior first officer. Just before I left, I was asked to see the chief pilot, where I was given the very welcome news that they would like to offer me a position with the company. Now, even though I turned them down, the offer was welcome, because at last I felt that people were beginning to see my worth and the confidence and satisfaction of having those options was worth its weight in gold. As my secondment ended for the time being, and I was rostered back at Bristow's, we began doing Lagos direct Port Harcourt runs during the summer season to clear a backlog of luggage and passengers. Down in Port Harcourt, it was also the season of the snake. Our parking area was a secluded patch of airport where we had our passenger lounge. The parking area was separated from it by a patch of open ground with a narrow tarmacked path running the length of it. Bush lay either side. Now, bushfires in Nigeria are ignited by farmers during the dry season in the process of land clearance. 
but at all other times the bush was built up. We knew that in that particular bush area there were snakes of the puff adder and carpet viper variety. Now many people had reported seeing them slithering across the path. Luckily, no one had been bitten, which was just as well as the nearest antidote was about 45 minutes away, which was of no help if you did get bitten. There were a number of times that I didn't feel comfortable walking on the path when the bush was built up and, of course, the hapless dispatcher had to run the gauntlet and bring all the paperwork out to us. Snakes were way out of my comfort zone. And the only time I did see a viper slither down the path was late one evening as we arrived for a night stop. Instead of freezing and standing still so as not to draw attention to myself, I dropped everything and ran screaming back to the aircraft. I think the captain I was with remarked some time later that it was the only time he had seen me lose my mind and my dignity, along with a degree of street cred. OK, pretty much all my street cred, in the shortest period of time. I had to be flanked on all sides by staff on the walk back to the car to prevent me sleeping in the aircraft all night. Not my finest hour. It was a busy few months and I seemed to be flying all the time. With night stops increasing down the line, I was away from home more than usual. The good thing was that I was building my flight time at a good rate, which was instrumental in my promotion to senior first officer, once I had logged 1,500 hours. My instructor time at the flying club was also helping. What wasn't helping was the full-on fallout of just that, not having the time to do anything else. I was determined not to take my eye off the prize of promotion and work myself even harder to achieve this. I spent more time down route in the pilot's mess, trying to keep up with my colleagues. I drank more than I should have and felt all the worse for it. Whilst I never crossed the line with regard to the rules bottle to throttle, I began to wonder how much longer I could keep up the charade. On the one hand, I wanted to be accepted, and on the other hand, the peer pressure was intense. What I didn't realise at the time was that I didn't have to prove anything to anyone. What I did decide to do was approach my friend and colleague, Chris Puddy, for help. My drinking was getting out of hand. He had always been an inspiration to me and someone that I looked up to. Our next flight together was a revelation. We sat down together in downtown Port Harcourt away from the shell camp where we usually stayed and drank ginger ales. Chris took my concerns on board and, in doing so, revealed his own vulnerabilities. He had also found himself in that position a few years previously where it had affected his flying. He was at a crossroads in his life and was reaching more and more for alcohol to delay the decisions he knew he had to make. He was honest and straightforward about the reasons he had taken this path and he didn't sugarcoat what the consequences might be. He gave me a very simple and deep piece of advice. Be yourself. You have nothing to prove to anyone, not if you don't want to. Let people see the real you. Don't become someone you're not. You'll not be able to keep up the pretense. And if you go too far, it's a long journey back. You will make mistakes. That's what life is all about. Embrace it and learn from it. In just a few short hours, with someone I greatly admired, he had shone a light on the real me. 
he knew that living with my childhood trauma was in some ways driving my destructive behaviour. But he was telling me that it didn't have to. I could change it if I wanted. I was responsible for my own behaviour. And as a result, I didn't have to live up to anyone's expectations. The next day on our flight back to Lagos, I felt that a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I had something to work towards. And although it may take time, I was strong enough to make it happen. Thank you for listening. As always, your reviews and comments are very much appreciated. Thank you to Lucy Ashby for the editing of this episode. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, please do so on our social media sites. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or send us an email at our email, theskyispinkpilot at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.skyispink.co.uk. In the next episode, more encounters and emergencies as I near promotion. I get the opportunity to join a ferry crew bringing our Beach King Air 200 back from the UK. And I am faced with an emergency landing and a terrified student at the Lagos Flying Club. Thank you and goodbye.